Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. everyone this is behind the scenes with brian and this is brian and today i am here with my friend lynn eisenberg and i don't want to put you into a uh, a box or define you but i you're a very creative person and i wanted to talk to you about creativity today lynn so how are you today i am great thank you so much for having me brian absolutely and and you're surviving the pandemic okay Yes, you know, it's um, it's kind of funny as one of my screenwriter friends said, you know, going into quarantine, what are you talking about? We've been in quarantine for decades. <laughs> <laughs> writers are writers are used to this. <laughs> right, yeah. It's, it's maybe even a better time to be creative because you, you don't have to have an excuse to be locked exactly, down. You know, exactly, you actually hit on something very real very real it's like a you don't have to feel bad about not you know declining offers to go out or do things because you you're supposed to be in sheltering in place so so it's um an opportunity to actually get even more work done well lynn maybe you can tell the listeners a little bit about yourself where where you where you come from and why you are who you are Okay, well, let's see. Uh, I come from the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan, and uh, eventually uh, I graduated from the University of Michigan with a, a BA in English Language and Lit, and then I came out to California and I got involved in the entertainment industry right off the bat. I started as a story analyst for Tony Bill Productions, and then I jumped over to Creative Artists Agency while they were growing and uh, was part of the um, motion picture lit department and the packaging department. So uh, it was a fantastic experience to learn how projects get made, both mm -hmm. on the film, mainly the film side at, at that point. Um, but um, it was just very exciting. And, and I actually think a lot of, to your point in question about creativity, a lot of creativity in terms of how to package content and people together with the buyers and by knowing the people, knowing what their interests are, uh, we were able to package content and sell it that way. So it was a really great experience. Um, so I was at CAA for a while and then I uh, went into the studio executive development route and in fact, I recall Amy Pascal, who was a producer at the time, sitting on my desk and saying, you don't have to go the agent route, you can go the, you know, the development route like me. You know, years later, she went on to become president of Sony Pictures. But, um, but I did take her advice and I went the development route and I worked with some production companies at different studios and uh, was involved in the movie Youngblood, the hockey movie with Rob Lowe and Cynthia Gibb and Patrick Swayze and helped, helped develop that and helped cast Cynthia Gibb, who to this day is one of my dearest friends. 
and um and that we got that one off the ground and then another one i developed was called i love you to death mm-hmm. starring kevin klein and tracy allman and keanu reeves um actually keanu was also in young blood that was his very first movie oh, one, one yeah. line brian one yeah. word yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is... so i've actually done two movies with keanu um okay so the second one was i love you to death and i hired the writer on that the producer brought it to me at the time it was just uh an idea a treatment written by the detective who had worked on this case it was a true story and then we developed it and pitched it to uh columbia tristar sold it to jeff zagansky who was president at, at the time and we got larry kasdan to direct it and, and so forth so that was a pretty successful black comedy um and then uh from from there uh i jumped ship and kind of went into the whole dot com world which was exciting at the time the um the the whole pushing the the story envelope if you will on how to tell stories digitally as the internet was coming of age that was really quite an experience and i was part of a company called streamsearch.com our and our tagline was the remote control of the web and so that was great and but basically aggregating a lot of entertainment content i have to tell you one of the funniest things at that time was going to the studios and saying we want to put your trailers online and they were like why <laughs> <laughs> uh, why would we do that right you know? and i can recall certain directors i will i won't say who they are at this point cuz pretty big name directors and talking to them about putting content on the internet and they were just like no way I'm never letting any of my content be seen on a tiny screen you know famous <laughs> last words right right <laughs> so yeah. it, was, it was really fun to be part of that whole startup world where you like sink or swim and you've got to make it happen and i found that really exciting and fun to be a part of and um and then when the dot com bubble burst uh i ended up taking some of my ideas and developing them into novels i and it was actually really i happened to be in new york when the when book expo was going on and somebody told me about it and i i went and i walked the floor and i looked at all the different booths that had different publishers and looked at well what was each publisher looking for you know what was the genre that they were focused on and i decided that i thought this one in particular was a good fit for the novel that i had just written and it was a manuscript and i sent it to this publisher and 3 weeks later they came back and offered me a two book writing deal yeah uh, really a, bl- a blind a blind deal on the second one neither of us knew what the second one would be so the the first one was called my life uncovered uh which was a romantic comedy uh about a woman who comes to LA to write the great american screenplay and by accident writes the great american adult movie and and <laughs> turns the uh, i know <laughs> turns the industry upside down and uh, it's just very funny um kind of very tootsie-ish fish out of water kind of story okay okay yeah um 
so I, uh, and then the next novel uh, they asked me was you know Blind Deal, and and so I, we neither one of us knew what it was going to be, but by then it had been a few years since my father had passed away, and I was I was still dealing with the grief, and you know, and then a year after my father passed away, my brother had passed away, and yeah. it was just you know a lot of grief, and and to deal with my grief, I, I basically decided. Actually, let me back up. Um, at my brother's funeral, my cousin, Sandra Bernhard, the stand-up comedian and actress, got up and sang a cappella at my brother's funeral. And it was fascinating, Brian, because in that moment, the energy in the room shifted from mourning a death to celebrating a life. Oh. And... You know, it was a paradigm shift in that moment. And uh, my college roommate sitting, turned to me afterwards, she was sitting next to me and she said, you know, I, I'm sorry I didn't bring my boys so that they could see a funeral it doesn't have to be so sad. And that became the little nugget line, if you will, that inspired me to take my grief. <laughs> and attack it or deal with it in a different way and come up with this idea uh, about a woman who brings life to dead business, a female entrepreneur, again, fish out of water story. And I pitched that to my publisher called The Funeral Planner about a woman who brings life to a dead business and they loved it. And that not only became the second novel of the first two book deal, but then it went on to become another two books, a franchise series as a trilogy yeah. of its own. Um, and that was actually partly because the CEO of the publishing company's brother had passed away. And she said, uh, let's turn it into a franchise series. So it became the funeral planner. And then the funeral planner goes to the White House. And then the funeral planner goes global. Uh, and so th those all happened between like 2005 and 2010. And um, and in that time period, by the way, before the second two novels were written, mm -hmm. the uh, the first one was optioned by Lifetime Television Network to be turned into a television series. Uh, yeah, and then they hired me to write the pilot, and then they wanted a showrunner. The showrunner rewrote my pilot. They didn't like it. They wanted mm -hmm. to get a new showrunner, and then the Writers Guild went on strike, and all the rights reverted back to me. And yeah. so now I'm happy to share with you some very good news that as of this week, Funeral Planner has been optioned again to be turned into this time an international TV series. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, congratulations. That, that's, been a, that's been a long, hard push. And it's, yes. a, it's, it's an amazing uh, bit of writing. It's, it's, it's just a, a very touching piece of work. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's an, I call it an entrepreneurial comedy because it's about a woman going for a career while she's also looking for love. So yeah. it's a kind of a combo of a entrepreneurial comedy, rom-com, dramedy. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And she's, she's got a little bit of Woody Allen in her, I think. I'm sorry, she what? She has a little bit of Woody Allen in her. She's, oh, that's she's, new. I, I haven't heard that before. Where do you see the Woody Allen in that? 
Well, she's kind of quirky. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she takes her own desk chair into Starbucks. Oh, that's you true. Know, so I, I don't. <laughs> I, not, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's not not exactly neurotic. She's definitely right. quirky. Right, right. Well, she believes in good ergonomics. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, while working. Yeah. Uh, that's true. That's yeah, true. that's very cute. Yeah. So there was that, and then I also wrote a movie called True Vinyl. I was hired to write that kind of like a karate kid dance, teen dance movie. That got made, uh, starring Brie Turner and Eric Zemanja and uh, Romney Malko. Um, and uh, anyway, so those are some of the projects. And I also uh, co-executive produced a TV series called I Design on the Fine Living Network. And I also wrote a book called Author Power, Profit Before You Publish. And uh, in terms of creativity, you know, to get to that point, right, where you, you bring that up, what is, where does creativity come from? And I, I think it's really uh, necessity is the mother of invention is one of the, one, one reason where that instigates cure, uh, uh, create creativity. And I think that if I look at what happened with the funeral planner, the, the original publisher, actually dismantled that imprint, the chiclet imprint, if you will, because um, that genre got glutted by the publishing market. Just uh, overthrow, yeah, every overkill, every publisher dove into the chiclet market, if you will, and they glutted it. And so my publisher dismantled the imprint and gave me all the rights back just before they were about to publish the third novel in the, in the trilogy. And so, I felt a sense of incompletion. So what I decided to do was self-publish. This is right when self-publishing was becoming big and the technology for it was there. So I started getting into self-publishing until I realized how expensive it was. And I thought, well, I'm not gonna let that stop me. I'm just gonna find another way to finance it. So I went to other companies, large companies that I could create some affinity marketing with. And one of them was Dignity Memorial, based out of Houston. They're a $3.4 billion company, and they are the largest funeral home conglomerate in North America. So I went to them and I got them to help pay for publishing new editions of each of the, the novels. Along with 1-800-Flowers, I got them involved and a bunch of other companies, Legacy.com, which is an online obit site, and basically, you know, brands that would make sense to include in the story without sacrificing the story, um, or to put their logo on the back cover of the book, you know, because I had complete control over over it. So uh, I did that. and. I took all of those experiences, experiences, excuse me, and I turned them into a, a gift to the creative content people out there uh, in the world who, who want to create content but find other ways to pay for it besides a traditional book sale, which has diminished over t- 
time based on piracy and everything else. So I created a book called Author Power, Profit Before You Publish, which is just all about helping content creators learn other revenue streams uh, that they can go to to, to finance uh, their content and reward themselves for the hard work of their creative endeavors. Yeah, and I remember reading that book and there was a... Uh... Uh, gonna put you on the spot here I th- I, there was a story about maybe you climbing some steps in New York City and somebody was selling their their own books on those steps does that ring a bell no that's my book selling my books or no no books? no they're their books but but oh. in that book anyway you, you talk about a lot of different ways for an author to get their content out there and I, th- I thought that was a, a really interesting approach because traditional public as you say it's uh, it, it, I don't know if it's a fixed game but the odds certainly are against an author ever making a nickel no matter uh, how amazing their works might be Right, I know it's really hard. Uh, it's it's challenging. So uh, you need and you need a good distribution or know that. Thank God we have like you know eBooks that helps. Um, you know, so there's different different uh, distribution routes that one yeah. can take. But um, but there's also the issue of the piracy that just really has become overblown. Mm. So it's. It's challenging. In fact, if you ask me now if I how I feel between traditional publishing and self-publishing, I think at this stage of the game, I would swing more towards traditional publishing. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I think what happens to a self when you get into self-publishing, your focus shifts, and you you really have to play the the role of the publisher, which is hard to play both the writer and the publisher. On the other hand, you have great control over everything you're doing. So you can do those kinds of affinity marketing deals like I did, which was great. I mean, I generated over $100,000 in brand partnership deals. Yeah, that's so amazing. Yeah. It is. It was really incredible, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I put the funeral planner up. I felt like, you know, I felt like, okay, I've generated income from this. So I am going to share the first novel for free on the social uh, social reading site called Wattpad. So the funeral planner is actually available on Wattpad for free right now. Uh, and and I don't feel bad about it because I have gotten remunerated through the brand partnerships deals that I've done. So I think it's my gift. It's a way for people to keep reading and enjoying. And yeah. uh, you know, I still manage to put my brands into the short little episodes on Wattpad for the funeral planner. So I still benefited them. And, um, you know, so that's another outlet. And companies like that, uh, Wattpad and Radish Fiction is another new one. Uh, well, actually, not that new, but they they create ways to pay authors through, uh, like, coins. People pay for a certain amount of coins, and you pay per chapter. It's almost like a cliffhanger. So you have to make oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So you make sure that each, uh, each, uh, the end of each chapter has a cliffhanger on it. 
tub. Not 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 unlike what you see on Netflix today with all these you know binge watching shows yeah. where they grab yeah. you right this, you know cliffhanger at the end. Yeah, yeah interesting. So, Lynn, a while back, I read a book called The War of Art. It was written by a guy named Stephen Pressfield, who's probably best known for writing The Legend of Bagger Vance. And in in that book, he he says full-time job is writing and creating, but he can't write unless he's inspired. Because fortunately, he's inspired every day at precisely nine o'clock in the morning. And I'm I'm probably probably misquoting him there, but I mean it sounds really good to sit down at a keyboard. And some people say, you know, whether it's writing a story or or developing a new mousetrap or whatever it is, some people say just sit down and type. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad, just type, you know, or or just start scribbling a picture of a mousetrap. But it, it sounds really good, but. You, you don't really want to spend a whole day just coming up with gobbledygook. So what, how would you direct somebody once they're sitting at their desk to tap into their creativity? Well, I think you're bringing up two kinds of creativity. I think the one is um, kind of getting a free flow of, of stream of consciousness writing it sounds like when you're saying just sit down and write and get something out then it sounds like stream of consciousness writing um which or more form of journaling if you will where you're you're getting feelings and emotions or maybe unconscious uh challenges that are going on getting them out you know and uh and i've done that in the past uh in my early days of creative writing classes, you know, um, and, and that's really valuable. You, you never know what you might find or it might be a release or maybe it's a form of a meditation. Um, yeah. So I think there's a value in that as, as far as um, release and maybe finding, using that as a way to find or uncover something that might be um, the thing that you then develop into the bigger thing, if you will. I mean, I think, I kind of feel, are you asking me like two different questions? I think one is like- Probably, uh, yeah. One is like just general creativity and getting things out in a kind of stream of consciousness manner. And then there's, you know, I I think if if I'm hearing you right, are you asking like, how does one sit down and then like actually come up with something that they can shape into uh, a short story or a novel or a, or a screenplay or a television pilot like is that the other half of the question if you will yeah 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 and more the second half and not i mean if you want somebody to enjoy what you're creating whether it's a a, a written work or a physical thing um you know like uh, mm-hmm. Stephen Pressfield says, just just sit down and start writing. And, you know, he's, he's not going to come up with bagger fans if he's just typing words to type words. You know, it's, it's a really, really interesting question that you're bringing up. And I think there's two approaches. Um, you know, 
one I think is like the, this kind of internal approach that somebody has an experience in life uh, that inspires them to find a way to share it. Uh, and, and also whether it's something that's to kind of an internal expression based on their experiences or their observations. Yeah. Uh, right that's one way right and then there's the like like blindsight like that just popped into my head right but that's a story of, of based on that's based on a true story but of you know how those sandra bullock character i don't remember her name in her life but you know ends up adopting this black guy a black kid and he becomes this famous football player and you know but there's a story there's a focus there's a focus to it and so that's kind of coming from like a personal life experience and want and, a, and being driven to to share that right I mean there's got to yeah. be a drive behind any idea to get it to come to life the other thing I want to bring up though and this came up actually I was in a, a pitch meeting with uh, Danny Strong's company production company Danny Strong is an actor and um, producer he um, he actually is also he's also in the Billions TV show, and um, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, and he's and he's the co-creator of Empire, the TV series on Fox, big successful mm -hmm. show, right? About the yeah. African American music icon family. Yeah. Um, but you know, I was in a meeting with his head of development, and we just had a really interesting conversation, and she said something that really struck me how they develop ideas from a thematic point of view. That was really cool. It's really, they, they approach it from a theme. Like what's the theme that they want to deal with in their, in their projects that they're developing? Yeah. So, and I think if you, you look at what's going on in life right now, look at current events, I mean, there's so much inspiration out there if you just, you read the newspaper and you get tons of inspiration <laughs> really even and creativity because by the way creativity isn't just in the you know the world of writing it's in everything right all the, the guys who created you know there's a need for masks right and they and they went and turned ford motor company into a, a mask manufacturer I mean, right just, right yeah right? Again, it's the uh, necessity is the, is the mother of invention, right? And it's so, um, I think that creativity is a way to solve a problem or you know, come up with a, a solution of some sorts. Um, and there's gotta be a drive behind it. And that, by the way, that could be a solution of like, how do I deal with my grief? Okay, I'll write the funeral planner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Right, that's, that's on one, one scale of it. And then the other is, you know, how do we address, um, you know, Black Lives Matter? You know, what what kind of stories could we tell around that? You know, um, and then you, you, I'm just giving you a, a whole array here, but yep. And by the way, it could also be historical content, right? And you, I just read a fa fantastic script about the first female doctor, and this is like way back in the day. Uh, in England back in like the 18, 1700s, I think, and I don't remember her, her name, but she covered up 
uh, the true fact that she was a woman her entire life, she covered it up so that wow. she could so she could practice medicine. So even though it's a historical, you know, drama, right? It's certainly relevant today, given yeah. you know gender inequality and transgender and everything else. I mean, just so you you look at that from a theme point of view and and it's just a compelling story um and you know so i think i think the idea is to come up with something that you can you can wrap your wrap a log line around it's got to be able to when you come up with a story idea that you want to turn into a novel or a television series or a feature film um you have to be able to identify i believe what you know what is the theme that's driving it and uh and then one of the hardest things to do, it takes time to really get it down, is to get that log line down. Yeah. You know, but that one sentence that sums it all up with a character that you care about, right? You have to care about the people you're watching. Yeah. Or, or you have to be compelled enough by the themes, you know, to watch it. Like the Roger Ailes story in The Loudest Voice, which I recently watched, which was like so compelling about the history of Fox News Network and how it really came into being. Um, you know, those kinds of right. varieties of, of story right. told and, and fine-tuned, but it takes time and, pre and writing is rewriting and rewriting is more rewriting. Right, right. Right, and so you can fine-tune it. It's a real process. Yeah, I, I know that Hemingway said that he would sit down and write one day and then he would sit down and rewrite that the next day and add to it and then he would start all over. And so he'd probably rewrite his novels hundreds of times by the time he got through with it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So wow. It, it, it sounds like once you have a seed of an idea, like when you were at the, the funeral and your cousin was singing, you, you had a seed of an idea and you didn't let the opportunity slip by you. No, I didn't. And the other thing that was really interesting is I, I believe I hit upon a zeitgeist at that moment in time, mm -hmm. uh, which is still going on now, but the, I hit the very, very beginning of this whole zeitgeist of the baby boomers who always do everything their way. So why should it be any different in death? Uh, but to basically take funerals on in their own way and in their own style and basically upend the traditional format of the clergy and, uh, you know, but to have like other family members speak. Um, you know, I spoke at my father's funeral. It was, it was unheard of it up until that moment in time. And, you know, that I knew of in Michigan to, you know, have a family member get up and tell one, one of the eulogies. And, uh, and then my cousin getting up and singing was a whole nother yeah. you know, level. So it was um, the beginning of this life celebration, if you will, versus mourning a death format yeah. of right. funerals, right? So, um, I think if you can tell a story and at the same time you're hitting on the zeitgeist, you know, it's even more powerful. 
Or I shouldn't say that. You know, everything is equally, could be equally powerful. The small little one day in the life vignette story can also be extremely powerful. Um, you know, those small little movies that hit you and grab you. Um, so anyway, I think creativity, you know, it's, it's being able to look around you uh, and, and pull from within and pull from without and bridge them all together. You know, it's, um, I think that's where, where creativity is. And, it, and it's this drive to share, uh, uh, you know, that, that burning sensation inside that you just have to tell this, you have to share it, you have to get it out. And especially if the characters start talking in your head, as Edward Albee once said, writers are all controlled schizophrenics. <laughs> and you got to get them out there, right? Yeah. So. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, does that answer the question about the creativity? Where does it come it, from? It, it does. Yeah. And I, I think, at least for me, a lot of times, if I don't write down the thought, some sometimes you know I'll wake up in the middle of the night with some amazing thought and I'm thinking okay this is so amazing there's no way I'm going to forget it and sure right. enough sure enough I forget it and so right. I know some people that keep a pad and pencil next to their bed just for for that kind of an occasion but here's a, a very important question for you Brian yeah when you have these thoughts that yeah occur to you can i ask you where are you at the time is there any one particular or couple places that you happen to be when that happens you know what it's, it's probably not too dissimilar to your your funeral story where yeah. seed could be anywhere you just have to recognize it see i i have a theory huh? where most of <laughs> where most of creativity comes from. You know where you know where most creativity comes from? Mm. It comes from the shower. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> I think it comes from the shower. When you're when you're standing in that shower, all right, and your the water's running down. Yeah. And it's just you and there's no other, you know, distractions. The TV's not on, you know, whatever, unless you have NPR in, in the shower while you're showering. But you know, you don't, right? I think your odds are better for some creativity to flow through. I actually think um, most of my ideas come from when I'm taking a shower. That's interesting because I, I did have an occasion when I was on an airplane and I was trying to come up with a night a solution for something, and I just closed my eyes and tried to shut out the world and tried to envision an outcome and so it's not too dissimilar to the shower thing where there's there's nothing else going on there's white noise right and it's there's nothing else to captivate your your brain on that note i have to agree with you that um i do some of my best writing on airplanes mm. for that very reason right it's yeah. quiet usually there's no distractions and you can just get a lot of ideas and writing and done right so i think planes trains and showers yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's ever going to be a movie title but it's close to a movie title right right 
<laughs> automobiles don't work because you're driving. Well, driving sometimes, I guess you can if you're driving. But you, so uh, I, I guess I would amend that. Uh, you know, planes, trains, automobiles, and showers. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, and on that note, I'm going to tell you something else I once read in a fantastic book by Dorothea Brand called On Becoming a Writer, written in the 1930s. She talked about um, the writing, when the, the actual writing process, when, when you're actually writing, and when um, when creativity occurs is often when you are doing a repetitive motion. Oh. So, right? So, but could that would kind of fit in the shower thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it would fit in the. Um, like washing the dishes thing. Right, right. Running, right. walk, running, walking, riding your bicycle. Swimming laps, swimming laps for sure is a great way to get writing in, um, in your head. Of course, then you have to remember it and then put it back down on paper. Right. But, right. So do you find that when you're writing that if you're in doing a uh, repetitive action that ideas flow? That, that makes a lot of sense. And while we're on the topic, Lynn, I, I've heard somebody say that they have a waterproof writing thing in their shower so that they can write down their good ideas when they're in the shower. Really? That is a great yeah. idea. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's great. I have yeah. to look that up. What, like a waterproof chalkboard or something? Yeah, yeah, more or less, yeah. That's really neat. I have yeah. to look that up. Yeah. Huh. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, interesting. But yeah, I think that, um, you know, that's where I, I think that that kind of answers like the creative process yeah. of the writing flow, idea flow, and then where, where it comes from. But at the end of it all, there's got to be that pilot light inside, right? That drives you. Right. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? Oh my gosh, I don't have any idea. The, the the thing to, to take it to the next level, right? Yeah. That are just yeah. having an idea. Yeah, it's got, and that that requires persistence, uh, tenacity, determination, uh, and not never taking no for an right. answer. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's it takes guts. It actually. The two key words, um, I, I remember my mother sharing a story with me. She said, she said the most important thing she learned when she was in college was a, a teacher who was teaching um, phys ed. She became a phys ed teacher, but she really wanted to be a social worker. But anyway, she said this one teacher said that the two most important things he put on a chalkboard, speaking of chalkboards again, and he said, you know what you need in this life? Two things, guts, and imagination. Huh. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's what it comes down to. The source of it all is guts and imagination. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, well, Lynn, we've covered a lot of stuff today, and I appreciate your time on this. Is there any uh, parting pearls of wisdom that you'd want to leave us before we say goodbye? I would say if you're if you want to read the funeral planner while it's still free, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. on Wattpad <laughs> under okay. the funeral planner. 
okay. I would say um, uh, if you want to uh, find ways to uh, create, generate alternative revenue streams for your content, go look at author power, profits before you publish. Yeah. And um, and I would say remember the, the the two key words here that we summed it up at the end to you know get your your creativity going. It would be guts and imagination. Right. Yeah, yeah, so I, I, well, I, I wish everybody listening out there, you know, the, the power of guts and imagination, and um, that's what I would, I would leave it at that. And, and I, and I really, really thank you, Brian, for having me on. It's been really great. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fun. It's always uh, fun to, to tap into your mind and see what's going on, Lynn. And I'm, I'm glad we've had this time to catch up. Yeah, me too. And please stay safe. And everybody out there. Wear a mask and practice physical distancing, not social distancing. It's just physical and it's only temporary. Yep. So I, I agree. everyone be yeah, be safe and be sound. Yeah, thank you, Lynn. And hope thank to you, talk, Brian. Hope to talk to you soon. Will do. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rockin'.